0: Just visit americamagazine.org/subscribe and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections.
1: Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, the global synodal process, the Synod on Synodality, kicked off in Rome. We'll talk about the direction the Pope laid out for the process, and how U.S. dioceses are, and aren't, getting ready. I'm Colleen Deli, this is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry.
2: Good afternoon from sunny Rome, Colleen. And with the breaking news that John Paul I will be beatified next year.
1: That's right.
2: They haven't given the date yet, but everybody says it's going to be next year.
1: That's fantastic
2: news. Pope Francis cleared this this morning.
0: Pope Francis is kicking off the Synod on Synodality with a meeting with representatives from all over the world. Some 3,000 people attended the pope's mass, among them people from Rome and members of the Curia. The pope explained that it
1: is not necessary to create another church, but to create a different church. All right, Jerry, let's hop right into our story. We're covering the opening of the Synod on Synodality. This kicked off this weekend, and we should say the official name is Toward a Synodal Church, Communion, Participation, and Mission. And it kicked off in Rome this weekend with some pre-synod meetings on Saturday, and then a mass celebrated by the Pope on Sunday. And just to recap for our listeners, uh, this is a two-year process that has the end goal of making the church more synodal. So what does that mean? It's a word that goes all the way back to the gospel story of the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus after the resurrection, and walking together is one of the meanings of the word synod. So for Pope Francis, being synodal really means being a church where people are able to come together and share their experiences and listen to each other. And in doing that, be able to kind of overcome divisions and discern their next steps together. So that's also what's supposed to happen at a synod. That sounds a lot like the things that Pope Francis is asking synod participants when we've had synods in the past. But Jerry, how is this one different from past synods?
2: It's different from any synod that's been held. Because for the first time, the aim is to go to every parish, every diocese in each country, to get people there involved, to get them to understand that because they're baptized, they're part of a church, and they have to see how they can personally be part of this church.
1: Mm -hmm. And we've seen some uh, consultation before previous synods. I remember before the Synod on Young People, there was a big survey. There were some listening sessions before. Gosh, I I think all the synods that we've seen under Francis, right?
2: Yes, all the synods under Francis. He's gone out of his way to get people involved. But nothing like this has happened in the history of the church, mm-hmm. where every diocese in every country is being asked to join in, to be part of this process.
1: So the way they want to do that and... and kind of structure this around listening is that there's three phases to this synod. There's a diocesan phase that starts this month and goes until April of next year. And then that kind of ends, it it gets uh, synthesized, all the feedback that gets synthesized by the bishops conference. So here in the US, it'd be the USCCB. And then it goes on to a continental phase at the end of 2022 into 2023. And then in October 2023, we get kind of what looks like our usual synod meeting in Rome. This is what they're calling the universal church phase to bring it all together.
2: Yes, those are three steps, but it's starting at the grassroots. Mm -hmm. Francis keeps talking about the people of God. And he said beautifully in his homily, you know, we're all in movement. We're all moving to our final destiny with God. So it's a church that, by nature, is something in movement. And he wants that movement to be experienced at the local level, not just at the top levels of the bishops' conference in the country, but in every parish. And he wants people, not just those who come to church on Sunday and will go to communion and such like, but those who also have felt distance from the church, who have perhaps separated themselves or felt excluded. He wants these people to be involved. So it's not sufficient in a diocese to just get the diocesan council consulted. They are expected to reach out to the other members in the diocese, to the other parishes, and to the people who've never expressed an opinion, perhaps.
1: Right, yeah. The Pope really stressed that You know, there's these three kind of topics for the synod, communion, participation, and mission. And he talked a lot about, you know, communion and mission. These are important things. But he said they risk becoming abstract ideas if you don't have the participation, kind of tying it all together, tying the community together and bringing everyone along on this journey.
2: He said, like a town square, an open square where people come, they gather, they discuss. That's his kind of image. He's spoken in the past about the church being uh, like a a field hospital. Now he's moving to this kind of town square where people, they can all come in, they can all express an opinion. Mm
1: -hmm. I like what you said about the town square, because if you remember the Italian novel that the Pope borrows that image from, there's a big field hospital set up in the town square. So it all kind of comes together. So we heard a little bit about the the process and the goals of this synod, but I think that we can be pretty honest here and say that that's not exactly what the church looks like right now. And the synod's preparatory document even said, like, this process might be met with some skepticism about whether it can really transform the church into this, you know, structurally synodal rather than occasionally synodal church, as the pope said. And Pope Francis spoke about this in his speech this weekend. He talked about three challenges for the Synod and three opportunities for the Synod. So can you walk us through those?
2: Yes. The the first challenge is what he calls formalism. Hmm, What does that mean? You you go through the motions, but you don't get really involved. Hmm. He he used the example, you look at the church, beautiful structure from outside, but you don't go in. The, The second one, he said, is intellectualism, which is kind of a a study group a discussion experience but you just talk and talk it's a talking shop mm. but at a perhaps a higher intellectual level than the pub local pub
1: <laughs> yeah and I, I i feel like the alternative francis would offer there is like this personal encounter personal transformation right it's not just in your head it's changing your heart
2: yeah so he he wants to get beyond that the third problem that he saw was the question of immobility those who say Things have been this way all the time. Why change? They don't want anything to change. They're happy with the status quo. Francis is saying immobility is a poison in the life of the church because the whole idea of a church is to be on movement. And this is it goes back to before he was elected in his speech about you know a church that goes out. And he's kept returning to this idea. You've got to reach out. You've got to get outside your comfort zone, and your comfort zone can be your own house, it can be your parish, it it can be your diocese, but Francis is saying no comfort zones. We're a pilgrim people, we're on the move, and so he's kind of putting the skids under, under the local churches.
1: Yeah. Okay, what about the opportunities for the Senate?
2: Well, the opportunities, he sees quite a few of them. He sees basically that it's a moment of grace, He's always said that the church is God working in history, that a synod without the Holy Spirit is not a synod. We've got to listen to what God is doing in history. So it's a moment of grace. It's, they use the word sometimes, the kairos. It's a particular moment where uh, we call it a kind of a golden opportunity to change things. Then he says we have to adopt the style of God. He keeps coming back to this idea of this, the pastor has to adopt the style of God, but also the local community, the church community in your local parish.
1: And what does that mean, the style of God?
2: Three things. Closeness to people. So not excluding, being close to them. Compassion, trying to feel where they are, trying to respond to their situation. And tenderness. So in other words not excluding, not condemning, not judgment, but a welcoming church, in other words. These three concepts go into welcoming. You close, you embrace people, you listen with empathy to them, and you show tenderness in their situations. So this is what Francis is is talking about. Colleen, I was particularly struck that at the end of the speech, he said, he quoted one of the great minds, the great intellects, of the Second Vatican Council, the Dominican theologian, Father Yves Congar. Now, he had been ostracized by the church at one stage, accused of heresy and so on. And here's Francis quoting him. He said, there is no need to create another church, but to create a different church. This is what Francis has been doing in the Roman Curia. He's been trying to change the culture, the traditional way it's been operating, and he realizes it's an uphill struggle, mm-hmm. But it's the way ahead,
1: yeah, as you've been saying that, I'm thinking like that's that's building a different church is something that might sound kind of scary to some Catholics.
2: yes, it's one of the centerpieces of be, this building a different church is changing the relations within the parish, within the diocese, within the church in the country, where the bishops and the priests are not up above giving orders directing, and everybody else following like sheep. Francis is saying, we're all one people of God. We've got, in that people, we've got different roles, but it's not that one is superior to the other. It's a different task, it's a different role, and a very, very important roles, but still we're all members of the people of God, equal in dignity and respect.
1: Yeah, I I really liked the Pope's homily and I found that it it was kind of a counterpart to uh, the speech that he gave laying out the structure of the process and these invitations and challenges. Uh, In the homily, it was more of, I found it to be more of a pastoral approach, like pastoral advice. Uh, The Pope was preaching about the gospel of the rich young man that we heard last Sunday. And he said that Jesus's example kind of shows us how the church should be engaging with people. And he calls it, it's a model of synodality, right? He says, first, Jesus encounters the man. He really gives him his full attention. He isn't too busy for him. And then he listens to his experience without judging him. And finally, after he's heard this man say, you know, I've done all of my religious practices. I followed every law. What else do I need to do to enter the kingdom of God? Uh, Jesus takes his experience into mind and says, okay, what you need isn't more laws, it's that you need to sell what you have and give to the poor. He, he's able to recognize in this man's experience that his possessions are are weighing him down. And he couldn't have done that without listening, without trying to be a model of this listening church, right? Uh, and I don't know, as I was hearing it, I was really struck because I know so many people who feel like they aren't welcome in the church, that they aren't listened to, or their experiences will you know, make them ineligible for for being welcome in the church and i was thinking you know can you imagine what it would be like for them to really be encountered and heard and discerned with like the pope says and francis actually gets at that in the end of the homily he he frames this synod the synodality as he says it can be a grace-filled healing process and i don't know looking looking at everything that's going on in the church, how divided we are in the church in the U.S., and looking at this recent abuse report that came out in France, all these places of pain where people really desperately want to be heard by the church.
2: You spoke about healing, Colleen. You have the church, a field hospital, it heals the wounds, but it also is meant to bring unity, first of all within itself, but also within the society. If members of the church are at daggers drawn with each other, they're not going to give much example to the society, much less are they going to help the society to bring unity, to have harmony. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. After the break, healing is hard. We'll talk about the challenges that the Synod is facing. One of the things that I've been struck by in these synod conversations is how honest everyone is being about the fact that this process is going to be really difficult. Like not just how difficult and awkward it is for, as Austin Ivory phrased it in a recent piece in Commonweal, he said, getting Catholics who are used to a command and control model to switch mentalities to embrace something a little bit more decentralized that involves more of their participation. But just on a practical logistical level the synod is also facing a lot of challenges so what are some of the like concrete uh, logistical challenges facing the synod
2: well there's first of all not in history has a synod started in the midst of a pandemic we've got a pandemic where some places people are not yet back in church some places people have come back to church but with great hesitation so imagine trying to encourage them to come to meetings together and to sit and discuss. Even, Colleen, as we looked at the Senate Hall where they gathered last Saturday morning, one seat was filled, then there was a blocked-out seat where nobody could sit, and then there was another one. So they were all very conscious that we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're not out of it. Will we be out of it by the time the diocesan phase phase finishes in April? It's It's not so sure. Secondly, there's the problem, you know, If you go to, the United States situation is one, but if you go to Africa, where you've got a bishop with maybe 20 priests in a diocese, you have parishes which are hundreds of miles away. He may take two or three hours to get to the next parish, and then another two hours to get to the other. And then you have a question of, is there electricity? Have they communications? This is the reality of the church. Also, I've seen in Latin America, I've seen in Argentina where I've been several times, you go to, if you travel through the country and you want to go to a Sunday mass and you arrive in a parish and there's no priest, there may be a deacon. This is the reality. So it's not so easy in terms of, first of all, motivating the bishops to get moving.
1: Right, yeah. When you're struggling with electricity or, I mean, God forbid, like conflict zones or, or COVID even, you know, it's hard to make this a top priority.
2: One of those who was present in the Senate Hall on Saturday morning was Cardinal Charles Bo from Myanmar. Mm-hmm, right. He's in the middle of a situation where the military have taken over the country. If his people start gathering, the military may well come in and say, ah, well, what are you gathering for? And may arrest them. Mm-hmm. This is the reality. I think of China. It's inconceivable today that in China, the people can get together and discuss without having supervisors from the communist party or maybe having to get even permission to get together
1: mm-hmm. even in countries where they're not facing these you know massive uh, social or political issues or infrastructure issues. There's also just the fact that they're being asked to do a lot within just six months for this diocesan phase.
2: It's true, Colleen. I think the same is true in many places in Europe. But the, the reality is something is starting in many places. And Francis says we start the process. But the third obstacle, the first is COVID. The the pandemic. The second is the distance and the difficult situation. The third obstacle is the time factor. I mean, th- this diocesan process, this diocesan involvement, getting at the grassroots, is meant to end in April.
1: Right. And between then and now, we have. I mean, here in the states, Thanksgiving and then Christmas, and by the time you do all that, we've got only a couple months left.
2: Yes, th- th- this is the reality, but uh, it's not a reason for. Uh, despair but it's it's a call to rapid action. Mm-hmm. Francis wants something to happen not to create another church but to create a different church and that can only happen with the input of all the baptized starting from the bishop, but also, if the bishop isn't moving, then the lay people must start moving.
1: Right. So it's, it's really important to just be starting this process. We don't know what it's going to look like at the end of two years. But yeah, if your if you're bishop, listeners, if your bishop is not moving on this That's okay. Call up the chancery, try to find out what their plans are. And if they don't have any plans, then try to get things moving on a local level. See if you can volunteer to help out in some way. And uh, maybe if they don't know what you're talking about, you could even send them our podcast or some of our articles to help get them informed about the process and spark some action on the local level.
0: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was in Rome over the weekend for a climate conference, but it is her meeting with Pope Francis that's generating a lot of talk. U.S. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi met with Pope Francis in a private audience at the Vatican.
1: One last big news item that we should mention this week is that Pope Francis met with US Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, who famously is a Catholic, a pro choice politician. She's been one of the key figures in these debates about whether pro choice politicians should receive communion. And she met with the Pope on Friday. And Jerry, I, this seems, you know, it's such a hot topic issue and, and so divisive in the US church. I'm curious how you see this tying into everything we've just talked about. Uh, With the synod, because it does seem like a bit of a juxtaposition.
2: Well, remember what the Pope said in his homily on Sunday. He said, "The synodal church, in other, the church, the different church, will be a church which reaches out to people, encounter. So you meet people, you talk, and then you discern." And uh, I think the, the Francis is doing exactly that. He's a pastor. Pope Francis is first and foremost a pastor. I think you can see the Nancy Pelosi meeting also in the light of the answer to my question, his answer to my question on the plane. He says, we have to be pastors, not politicians. Where we become politicians and not pastors, then we get disasters. He says, you know, we have to adopt the style of God in these situations. Closeness. So you meet the person, you welcome the person. You don't condemn, you don't exclude, you don't judge, you meet the person. You show compassion. You understand what the reality of the person is, and to do that, you have to listen. And then you show tenderness. You're not going to make any headway with somebody whom you come in with a sledgehammer and hit the person on the head on arrival. How are you going to make headway and change? Francis is giving an example of what being a pastor is. The Pope's message. What he said on the plane to me and answer my question. <laughs> he put it into practice in meeting Pelosi, and it's the kind of church that he wants—a church that meets people, reaches out, listens to people, tries to understand what their personal difficulties are, and then shows tenderness and tries to gradually help them to find A new, perhaps better way of being.
1: Yeah, Jerry, now that you say it, I mean, I see a lot of parallels between this model that Francis laid out where you're encountering, listening, and discerning together. That's basically exactly what Cardinal Ladaria from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith said in his letter to Archbishop Gomez when the U.S. bishops were first talking about possibly drafting a document on uh, the Eucharist and sort of relating to pro-choice politicians. He said, you need to get together with the people who are affected, you need to have a dialogue with them, and then you can move forward with trying to make a decision. And that's, That's basically exactly the model that we saw from the Pope this weekend.
2: Yes. He's a pastor, Colleen, and this is how pastors are. And I think his message to the bishops is, be pastors, don't get into the political arena. That's not your field. Your field is to have, you have a moral message to the political arena, but you're not politicians or you shouldn't be.
1: All right, so you can find our coverage of Pope Francis' meeting with Nancy Pelosi, along with our coverage of the launch of the synodal process. Jerry was there covering everything that was going on on Saturday. We have the full text of Pope Francis' homily from Sunday, so lots of good stuff to read. We've got a lot more coming, so stay tuned and... Jerry, I look forward to talking with you as this uh, as this
2: process unfolds. Oh, Colleen, I think it's going to be a very exciting time, and especially, you know, as you said, if the local community sparks action, if we see this, then this will be great.
1: That's right. I emailed my pastor yesterday. Listeners, now it's on you. <laughs> Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn, production assistance from Kara Hanlon. Sound engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. If you want to support our work on Inside the Vatican, the best way to do that is by purchasing a digital subscription to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Delli. We'll see you next time.
0: Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together like, What do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections.